0: Good morning thank you once again for joining us for our word of the day this morning we're going to be looking at three particular psalms psalm 16 psalm 19 and probably the most famous psalm in the world psalm 23. so starting off with psalm 16 uh, we know that this psalm was written by david in a time of great trouble in his life we don't know exactly what was going on but david faced a lot of very difficult times uh, of course, he had to deal with the death of his son with Bathsheba. He had to deal with his, one of his children raping his half-sister. He had to deal with uh, another son, killing that son because of what he did. And then the son that murdered his other son for raping his sister rose up in rebellion to try to overthrow him. So David uh, had a pretty difficult life and faced a lot of troubles. And this psalm was written during one of those times. And this psalm shows us how David trusted in God and had confidence in God and was comforted by God even though he was facing difficult times. Let's read first of all verses 1 through 3. He says, Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, Thou art my Lord, my goodness extendeth not to thee, but to the saints that are in the earth and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. David begins by telling us that even though he's, he's facing difficult times, he, he has his confidence where it needs to be. His confidence isn't in his circumstances or in his strength or in his abilities. His confidence is in God and God alone. In verse 1, he, he reminds us and he, he's telling us, hey, my trust is in God. Then in verse 2, what's interesting is he's reminding himself that his confidence is in God. It's, he, he's... he's having some times of doubt during this difficult time and he has to remind himself, God's gonna get me through this. God's gonna provide for me. God's gonna do for me what I cannot do. And there are times where when we're facing tough times where we may begin to doubt that God's gonna take care of us and we have to remind ourselves, no, God's in control. God's my Savior. God's my protector. God's my defender. Yes, I'm facing tough times. But God said, all things are going to work together for my good, so I'm going to trust God. Then in verse 3, he says that one of the things he finds confidence in is fellowship with other believers. A lot of times when we're going through tough times, we we want to pull away from other people. We want to isolate ourselves, but we, we need the love, the support, the prayers, and the fellowship of other believers. So those are the times where we need others the most. And even if we're going through a good time, we still need to be with other believers because they may be suffering a difficult time, and God wants to use us to bless them. Then in the next few verses, he shows us the folly of living for ourselves versus living for God. It says, Their sorrows shall be multiplied, that hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor take up their names to my lips. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. So he goes, look, these, these people that are serving false idols, they're, they're never going to have the joy and the fulfillment that, that I have. And I, I have God. No matter what I'm facing, no matter what I'm going through, I have God. And so since I have God, I have a good heritage. I have a wonderful inheritance waiting for me. And that's what that literally means. He's saying, look, my life may be, going, may be upside down right now. It may be in turmoil right now. It may be the worst it could ever possibly be right now. But I've got a great inheritance waiting for me in heaven. Then the next few verses, he, he tells us how God does for him what false idols were living for himself could never do. He says, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My reigns also instruct me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand I shall not be moved. He goes, look, these are false idols. They're never going to comfort me. They're never going to give me the counsel I need. They're not going to be there for me when I need them, but God always will. No matter what I'm facing, God will always be right by my side. Then in the last few verses, he shows us the blessings that we get from finding our comfort and our strength and our sustaining power in God, even in tough times. He says, Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the paths of life, and thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. He says, look, you're, it's bad now, but it, it's, you're never going to leave me here. Even if it gets so bad, I die. I get to spend eternity with you. And, you know, in the 10th, verse 10... He says, you will not suffer thy like holy one to see corruption. He's looking forward to the resurrection one day. He says, look, my body may get sick, my body may die, but one day I'll be resurrected with a glorified body, and there's, there's nothing that can help me or comfort me or sustain me in tough times than walking with God. Then we come to Psalm number 19, and again, this is another Psalm of David, and it's, it's written to the choir director or the worship leader Uh, during the time. It was a song that David had wrote to praise God. And look what Charles Spurgeon says about this psalm. He says, this psalm reflects more than any other the beauty and splendor of the Hebrew poetry found in the psalms. Then William Voggerman, he's a professor of Old Testament theology as well as Semitic or Jewish uh, writings. He says that this psalm is the greatest poem and the greatest lyrics ever written. Look how he opens this psalm. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he, he set the tabernacle for a son. So David is telling us here that God uses nature and creation and everything we see to declare his glory. We can see God's glory in the beauty of a mountain. We can see God's glory in the glory and the beauty of the universe. You know, in our, our study as through the Bible, we looked at Genesis and we looked at creation, and God could have, in creation, just created the world, put kind of a, a black sheet around it, poked a bunch of holes and made stars, but he didn't do that. He made the incredible universe with the, the supernovas and the galaxies and the planets. And if you ever really look at, at the stars themselves, or if you look at pictures of the universe that we can't see with an naked eye, it's just, it's beautiful. It's magnificent. It shows the glory of God. But he continues. Again, in verse 4, he says, Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words in the end of the world in them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoicing as a strong man to run a race? His going forth is from the end of the heaven and his circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. So he says not only does creation show the glory of God, but creation shows the power of God. You know, later on in the New Testament, we learn that Paul says that everything consists. And what he means there is everything is held together by God. Yes, the universe is glorious and it's wonderful and it's magnificent and it's beautiful, but it's very complex. It's very intricate with you know all the galaxies having to stay in a, uh, the gravitational pull of each other and the, the universes and the, the, the solar systems having to revolve around their suns. And even think about our human body, the, the amount of things that have to go on every millisecond for us to, to stay alive, for our breath, our lungs to take in breath and take the oxygen and pump it through our body and you know keep us alive and our, our nervous system firing and all the things that have to happen every millisecond just so we can survive. God not only created that, but God sustains that. His nature, creation, shows his glory. Nature, creation, show his strength. That's the first place we should look for for the glory and strength of God. But then David begins to show us the second place we should look for these things. Verse number 7, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. So David says that not only do we see God's glory and God's power in creation and in everything, but we also see it in the Word of God. God's Word changes us. God's Word causes us to rejoice. God's Word gives us wisdom. God's Word shows us our wrongs. And God's Word is perfect. For us. Then he goes on. He says, More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, and sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is a great reward. He says that the, the words of God should be the most precious thing to us. They should be the thing that we desire the most because they keep us safe, they give us blessings, they guide us and direct us. He goes, you should desire to have the Word of God more than you do even wealth or prosperity or success. And we say that we cherish the Bible, especially in America. You know, in our, in our culture in America, the Bible's everywhere. I mean, we, we all have, most people have copies, a physical copy like this one, uh, of the Bible in their home. I have several. Uh, I have old, I've never thrown away a Bible. I have every Bible I've ever owned. Some of them are are torn up with pages taped back in because they've been read so much and used so much. Some of them are more sentimental to me, so I kind of keep them away. Uh, But I have several copies of the Scripture. But not only that, I can have access to the Bible on podcasts. I can listen to the Bible. I can read the Bible on my phone. I can study the Bible on my computer. You know, we we have so much access to the Word of God that I think we take it for granted. You know, there are other places that have no Word of God. You know, there are several hundred people groups that have no word of God in their own language. There are other places like China where the word of God is so rare. They have a copy in their language, but it's, it's hard to get and it. It's so rare that they cherish it. I remember several years ago, I saw a video of some Chinese believers receiving a box of Bibles, and as soon as the box was open, they just dove in and grabbed that Bible, and you could see them weeping and hugging it and kissing it because they cherished it other places they only have portions of the scripture, you know, a few pages they have to read and study, and those are precious to them. And here in our culture, in our country, we have so much of the Word of God, we take it for granted. And David says the Word of God is supposed to be the most precious thing in your life. Then look how David finishes the psalm. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. David says that through the Word of God, he desires to be clean. The Word of God shows him what he calls secret faults, sins that he's committing, that he doesn't know he's committing, but the Bible shows him he's transgressing against God. The Bible warns him to keep away from presumptuous sins. That's sins that we commit on purpose. And so it convicts him and what and makes him desire to be clean. He goes, God, I just want even my thoughts and my words to be right. See, a lot of people, we can live a good life and look really good on the outside. Everyone can look at us and think, man, they're, they're a good person. They do right. They obey God. They follow all the, the rules, and they're just a moral person, but our thoughts are wicked. And maybe even our words are hurtful. So David says, God, I don't want to just look the part. I want to be the part. God, guard my mouth. God, guard my thoughts. Allow the Word of God to permeate my soul and my heart and my mind so much that my thoughts are even on you and your Word and not on wicked things. Then we come to Psalm 23. And Psalm 23, of course, is probably the most well-known psalm in the entire Bible. Many people memorize this. It's read at every funeral almost, it's a psalm of comfort and of strength and of grace, and it's just a very, very cherished psalm to most believers. Now this psalm, it was, it was written by David when he's a king, and he's remembering where he came from as a shepherd. Look what Charles Spurgeon says about this psalm. It has been said that what the nightingale is among birds, that is this divine ode among the psalms, for it has sung sweetly in the ear of many a mourner. In his night of weeping and has bidden him hope for a morning of joy this psalm is a great source of comfort and strength for many believers and we're going to look at why today verse number one david says the lord is my shepherd i shall not want now david he's as a king he is a leader he's a ruler he has authority but he remembers where he came from as a shepherd and he remembers how he loved the sheep and so he's telling us that god is his shepherd and this imagery is used throughout scripture where god is our shepherd and we are sheep and there's there's reasons for that and david's going to show us a few reasons why god's a shepherd but why are we the sheep because sheep and i don't mean this offensively sheep are dumb uh sheep if left of themselves are going to get hurt they're going to get killed they're going to go extinct so they have to have a shepherd to watch over them to protect them to guide them and it's interesting that in, in Jewish culture, especially during this time, shepherds were considered a really lowly job, uh, kind of like garbage men. You know, and go, look, nothing against garbage men. I love my garbage men. I try to give them, you know, some, some Christmas gifts or money uh, during Christmas time. I try every, throughout the year, especially if I have a lot of stuff, you know, to throw out. I try to give them, you know, some money to buy or some gift cards to buy some lunch. I love my garbage men. I, I cherish them, but I don't want to do their job. They get paid well, they're very well trained, and they're a wonderful job, but I don't want to do it. And so shepherds were the same way. They were considered you know, a lowly job. You know, it was necessary. People needed shepherds, but no one wanted to be a shepherd. And so here, God, David is saying, God is our shepherd. So he's not putting down God, he's elevating the role of a shepherd because of what the shepherd does. And he says in verse 1 that the shepherd sustains us, the shepherd protects us, the shepherd provides for us. Again, without the shepherd, sheep would go extinct. We have to have God to protect us, to provide for us, and to give us protection in times of need. Then in Psalm verse 2, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. So He, he not only provides for us, but he, he sustains us. He gives us rest when we need it. You know, again, sheep, they're going to continue to walk, continue to roam all the time. So the shepherd has to sometimes make them lie down to give them the rest that they need. And God gives us rest when we need it. And he gives us rest in good places. He gives comfort. He gives great care. Then look at verse 3. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So he not only leads us, but he, he restores us. He is our guide when we're in danger. He makes sure that we're on the right path that's going to lead to the the still waters, that's going to lead to the green pastures and not lead to the cliffs or not lead to dangerous places or places infested by wolves. He guides us and directs us because He loves us. Then verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff they comfort me. When we are in difficult times, the presence of God is a gift. He says, look, I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, the the shadow of death cannot hurt us, but it can scare us. And because there's a shadow there, there is danger around, but God's presence for us is a gift. He, He protects us. He leads us through that valley. He says, Thy rod and thy staff, they come from me. Sometimes when we're going through the valley of darkness, we will make bad decisions. And so God is there to correct us when we need correcting to make sure we, we do what needs to be done and get on the right path. Then in verse 5, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies, thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Even in trying times, even... In difficult times, God is there for us. And then we finish up in verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God's protection, God's provision, God's wisdom and direction is there for us all the time. Now and in the future. Maybe you're going through a dark valley now. God's there with you. Maybe you're going through a difficult time right now. God's there with you. As David even said in Psalm 16, you know, I'm I'm in a dark place. I'm in a hard spot, but you're always right there beside me. God is always there with us, guiding us, giving us wisdom, giving us direction, protecting us, and providing for us. Even when we don't feel him, even if we don't see him, he's always there. Hope you'll have a, Great weekend this weekend. Enjoy uh, your time off. If maybe you've got to work, you know, the Bible says take joy in all things. Enjoy your work time. But I hope every one of you make an effort and a point to worship God this Sunday. In church, if your church is meeting, be there. Sing the songs of God. Praise God. Fellowship with other believers. Maybe you can't go to church because you're maybe under quarantine. Maybe your church is still closed down. You can still worship God online. You can still fellowship with other believers as much as you can. Do what you can this weekend to worship and honor God. We're going to be back Monday morning. We're going to be back in the book of Job for a few days. So I hope you have a great weekend and I hope you have a blessed day.